Good afternoon or morning. It's always a great pleasure for me to come here to Yeshivat Lev Aaron. I wasn't loud enough. <laughs> Very good. Now when you got your energy out, try to be quiet for the next hour. Three hours, three hours. I have another lecture after hearing another yeshiva. Baruch Hashem, every once in a while I come to visit you here. And uh, some of the boys uh, listens to my lectures here over the years. Some of them took it serious. Some did, some didn't. In the end, a person is a master of his own future. Whatever you design, that's what you're getting. You have to deal with the consequences of your choices. It starts from the day you came to the world and the way you grow up, and you begin to see from, from a very young age what's right, what's wrong. Of course, if your parents did not raise you correctly, and you didn't go to the right schools, so your computer, which is the brain, the conscious, the subconscious, is constantly getting the wrong information inside. It becomes a salad inside your head of a lot of different things that are totally incorrect and mess up the whole computer. It's like a virus. Sometimes you have a thousand viruses. The computer doesn't function right. Why? Because you, you enter the wrong information. Then comes the days that you wake up and you will decide to do tshuva. And you come to a good yeshiva, like here, Levaron. And uh, they, they, they put their heart into you to teach you the basics, to guide you to the right direction. You begin to see that life is a little bit different than the way you, you used to think. And then, of course, comes the Yetzirah. He's very, very nervous, the Satan. He's about to lose you. Until now, he had you in his pocket. All of a sudden, you begin to enjoy Gemara, you're learning Halacha, you're wearing white, white shirts, your yarmulke became bigger, you're beginning to watch your eyes, you're davening serious, you're growing. The Satan is panicking. In the beginning, the Satan is going to put most of his efforts to break you. What does it mean to break you? I'll give you an example. He will use every possible way to make you leave yeshiva and go back to New York. So it starts with, it could be even your parents. No, come back home, how long you there? I want you to go to college. What's gonna happen? What's gonna be with you? What is it gonna give you? So big deal, so you know Gemara. How is it gonna benefit you in life? They don't know. Most parents don't know. Even religious parents, they're totally ignorant. They don't understand the value of Torah. If the parents would understand the value of Torah, do you think they would waste time selling jewelry or building buildings in Manhattan? Do you think they will waste their life on it? Even for all the millions they make, they will never waste time on it. Because every hour you are here, it's 60,000 mitzvot. It could be that your own father or mother, as much as they're religious, they don't keep 60,000 mitzvot in a year. What you do here in, a, in, a, in an hour, of course the Satan is going to try to break you. But when the Satan tries to bury a person, 
he never settled on 50% or 70 or 80 or 90. He'll always go to the point that he can grab as much as he can. So not only is it going to make you, God forbid, lose the Torah and constantly drill in your head all kinds of stupid ideas, he's going to try to get you into a university full of infidels, full of heresy, full of wicked people, lots of dirty people, tons of abomination, totally not modest girls, lots of gays, lots of enemies of Hashem, horrible people, and you're going to have to spend the rest three, four, five years with this kind of people. You may become a businessman, you may become a doctor, you may become a lawyer, but you most likely would lose your lamaba. That's it, as it is. You're going to lose your lamaba. Why? Because you know what's going to happen over there. You're going to meet this Goya and that Goya and that Chilonit and this Goy friend is going to take you to all kinds of places you're not supposed to step there. And one thing leads to the other. The Satan is a genius. He's very experienced. He saw everything and he fooled everyone. You can count on one hand how many people from the beginning of the world until the end were able never to be fooled by the Satan. The Gemara say four. That's it, four people that never committed a sin. Never. Most of the people in the world, all the people in the world besides those four. If the Gemara mentioned four, it means it's four and not five. That means everybody else, include the greatest people in the history, surrender to the Satan here and there. Some more, some less. So let's not live in illusion to think that we will be able to be in university and stay righteous. Not only that, today we have a pandemic. Besides the corona, we have a much more dangerous pandemic. We have rabbis, if you can call them rabbis, that went to university after they were in yeshivot for a few years. They were okay. But from the minute they went to the university, after four or five years, they became the most dangerous people in the whole world. They are more dangerous than priests to spread Avodah Zarah, much more dangerous than Muslims. They deny punishment. They deny the 13 principles of Hashem. They say homosexuality is a wonderful blessing to humanity. Also feminism. They say Hashem does not hate anyone. He loves everyone equally, no matter how wicked you are. And no matter how righteous you are, all of you are equal in the eyes of Hashem. They destroy the Torah. They are the biggest enemies of Hashem. With their beautiful beard and nice sombrero, they destroy the world. You, don't want, you do not want to end in their hands. If you're going to go into the university, into the places where there are these people, that will be the end of your neshama. So now... I know what you're thinking, but after all, I'm young now. I'm 19, 20, 18. I want to make money. I don't want to live in a basement for the rest of my life. I want to make money. I have news for you. If you make money or not, only one is going to make that decision. Who? HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If he would like you to be rich, even if you don't want, you will be rich. If he wants you to be poor, no matter how much you kill yourself, you'll be poor. The way I've seen some very foolish people, how they're making millions, and the way I've seen brilliant people, how they struggle and go from one loan to another, shows you 100% that everything is in the end of Hashem. 
If you get married or not, 100% in the end of Hashem. You can do all the ishtadlut in the world and stay single. You can sit and learn non-stop around the clock, close yourself in a box, and Hashem will bring your, your wife into your hands, special on a gold platter. The proof for that, many years ago, before you were born, there was one Israeli, what we call Datiloni. You know what Datiloni means? Yamaka size of a quarter, jeans, sandals, keeping Shabbos, watching movies, touching women, half religious, half a goy. That's called Datiloni. And he decided to murder the Prime Minister of Israel, Yitzhak Rabin. He went and shot him and killed him. And then they put him in, in prison, and there's no chance, according to nature, that he will ever see a daylight. He's, he's stuck there forever. Not only that, he's isolated from the rest of the prisoners. Baruch Hashem in jail, he became Haredi. He's not anymore Datiloni. He finished Shas, finished Shulchan Aruch. He did not want television in his room. He doesn't have uh, one hour a day vacation walking out under the sun like the rest of the prisoners. He's locked in a cage for over 25 years already. Now you tell me, someone like this, that the media in Israel brainwashed the people against him non-stop for years and described him not less than Adolf Hitler, Imachshimo. That's how the Israelis hate him, especially the lefties. All the lefties and the liberals, when they hear his name, they, they want to vomit. What are the odds that someone like this will get a great shiduch and will have children? There's any chance, according to the laws of nature? Anyone will dare to become his wife? Even if people admire his ideology and admire what he did, because according to him, he did it for the nation of Israel, because the rabbin wanted to give the land of Israel to the Arabs, and he tried to prevent it. It wasn't a murder based on a personal relationship. It was a murder based on ideology. The Torah says you should not kill. You're not a bedin. Bedin in the time of Sanhedrin, they could execute a, a person. No one, since then, nobody can execute. You can execute Mechalele Shabbat. You cannot execute gays. You cannot execute people who, did, who commit horrible other crimes that is death penalty. Nobody can execute on his own people. But he decided to do it. So now one day you find out that a religious woman insists to come and date him in prison. Next thing she marry him, the next thing he has a boy, and there are many people who went on 500 shiduchim and are not married yet. But he, one shot, boom, married. A year later, a child. And became a Talmid Chacham. At least he got something out of his situation. They put him in a cage, he became a Talmid Chacham. If he will do tshuva for the murder, when he comes to Shamayim, he'll be in a very good place. Why? You know the power of Teshuva. In case you're wondering, you had uh, uh, the minister of the army of Nebuchadnezzar, his name was Nebuchadnezzar. He murdered 20 million people, not, not like today. Today you can kill thousands of people by bombs, or chemical weapon, or nuclear. But in the old days, you had to stab them one by one. There's no guns, no machine guns. So to kill 20 million people, it's 20 million acts of murders. It's not dropping a box and killing three, a bomb and, drop and killing 300 in one shot. And another bomb, another 400. And another bomb, and a, it makes it a lot faster. 
or gas chambers like the Nazis did. They can kill 10,000 in a day. But in the old days, they have to stab people with a spear and a knife. So his people, according to his instruction, killed about 20 million people in the world. A biggest monster on earth. And then he comes to the Chachamim, says, I'm ashamed from what I've done. I want to convert and be a kosher Jew. <laughs> Today the Bedin will tell him, excuse me, you know, go first to a psychiatrist to make sure if you're normal, you're coming to us, you want to be a Jew or what? You're normal? You don't even deserve to hold the Gemara in your hand. Get out of our face. I don't think there's one rabbi in the world would agree to even deal with this case. But the Chachamim converted him. So if, if a monster like this was able to convert, if Rachav, the famous prostitute, was able to convert and married Yoshua Benun, and there's many other examples of horrible people who became a legend, every one of you, it's needless to say, can reach the highest level. It's 100% in your hand. But there's few things you need to do to succeed. First, you have to set your priorities. Forget about all the nonsense that people in your childhood pushed into your head. Forget it. That's not the truth of Hashem. The world has one boss, not two. If there was a board of directors, then we would try to follow the majority. But there's no board of directors. There's only one decision maker, is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He loves each one of you, especially when you come to Yeshiva, the love to you is even greater. Not every person in the world Hashem loves. It's a lie. Whoever say it is a lie. It's against the Gemara, it's against the Rambam, it's against the Shulchan Aruch. Rambam in Ilchot Tshuva writes about someone who became a Baal Tshuva. Not me, Rambam. With Rambam you don't argue. With me you can argue unlimited. But Rambam, once you read it in Rambam, end of story. The Rambam say, a Baal Tshuva, yesterday, he was hated, despicable, pushed away. Shem couldn't look at him. And now when he made tshuva, he's loved and welcome, and a friend, Yadid. Hashem looks at you like his own child, like his own friend. Friend, Yadid, you know what's Yadid? Yud, yud the Yad, one hand is Yud, Yad, and another Yad, together, is Yadid. Yud Daled, Yud Daled, meaning friendship. It's, a, it's an agreement, right? So that's, that's what, what happened. Yesterday was secular, Mechalel Shabbat, a thief, and committing all kinds of crimes. He was pushed away, he was hated, despicable in the eyes of Hashem. Now he decided to change his priorities in life, to become a Baal Tshuva, to become fully Shomer Shabbos, and most important thing, to become a Ben Torah. Ben Torah, someone who learns most of the day, or all day, it's in a whole different league than someone who is just religious. You have to know it. You have to know the value of the Torah. The Chafetz Chaim say, an hour of learning Torah, it's 60,000 mitzvot. An average person can say 200 words in a minute. And an average word in Lashon HaKodesh has five letters. And together is 1,000 letters approximately per minute. One hour, it's 60,000 letters, meaning 60,000 mitzvot, that each one of those mitzvot equal like Taryag mitzvot. Limut Torah keneged kulam. It's a treasure. It's a treasure. A person that understands the value of the Torah, especially in your age, don't have still wife, children to worry about, houses, bills, all this headache. You don't have it yet. 
Now it's the time to grab as much as you can. I give you my word. When you grow up and you're going to have all the, 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 the headache that comes with life, you will miss badly, very much, the minutes that you have over here. You will miss it for the rest of your life. And if you're not serious here, you will eat your heart for the rest of your life. I had a chance to grow a lot more. Chaval, I only grew a little bit. I didn't take it serious. I was more interested with what Yerushalayim has to offer or what my phone has to offer. Now, Hashem brought you all the way to the well. All you have to do is grab the water and drink. If you stand by the water and you don't drink or you drink a little by little, few drops, later when you're, you're much thirstier, you're going to kill yourself from pain. How foolish I was. I was right by the cold, nice water and I took few drops. And now look at me, I'm dying from thirst. This is exactly what's going on here. But remember, the Satan is fighting. It has to be difficult. Some people say, why does it have to be so difficult to understand Tosfod, to break the head for two hours, again and again and again? In the end, finally, I understand. Why, why does it have to be so difficult? The answer is, everything that comes with a huge reward must be difficult. If it was very easy, why exactly you deserve a reward for? What? If somebody comes and he says, okay, what's the job? The job is to take one thing from here and move it to there. That's it. Okay, I want $1,000 for it. Get out of here. Goodbye. No, no, okay, five hundred. No, 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 I don't want to talk to you. Goodbye. Why? Are you out of your mind? I'm asking you to take this and take the nail from here and put it over there. One minute walk. He wants $1,000. But if it's a very hard walk, Schlepping bags all day in the sun, going up, going down, a hundred times up the stairs. That's a different story. The harder the worker works, the easier it is for you to give him his reward. I remember when I was young, I came to America. It was 1989. None of you were born yet. America was a whole different America than today, completely different. And... Uh, you know, I went there and I worked in a bagel store. I tried to find a job to make some money. I was 21 years old. There were days that it was rainy, rainy. Nobody came to the bagel store. So all day you sit there for 10 hours. There's really not that much to do. Maybe the whole day, 30 customers coming in. But there used to be days like Sunday, 500 people come. You walk like a slave. The days that I work very hard, in the end of the day, the boss were paying me my money, sits in a little room in the office. I used to come in with pride. Okay, I'm leaving. Can you give me my money? No shame. The days I was sitting all day eating corazon and reading newspapers, I had to think 20 times before I knock on his door. Should I? Should I not? Maybe I should not ask for money today. What did I do all day? Sat and ate and did nothing. And you would see that when I worked very hard, he gave me the money with a smile. And when I said doing nothing all day because no customers came, you had to see how angry he was. This is the nature of the world. The harder you work, the greater it will be when it comes to the reward. Lefum tsa'ara agra. It's written in Chazal. According to the sorrow and the effort, 
That's how the reward would be. But we are very lucky, you know why? I'll tell you why. Some of you may think, Rabbi, let's face it, I will not become Chacham Ovadia. Maybe I'm uh, across the street from where he was, but he's there and I'm here. Chacham Ovadia I will not become, and not his son, and not his grandson, and not anyone who is Talmidim. I'm not in that level. What am I going to be a Dayan? Going to be a big Rebbe? Nah. If, if I'm lucky, I will know how to learn Gemara, and know how to open Shulchan Aruch, and know how to cut, and to live like a from Jew. So I won't become Chacham Ovadia. So if I cannot become the best, my nature is, if I cannot do it the best, I don't want to waste a minute on it. What do you think? Is this a good claim or not? I'll tell you. If it comes then to buy a car, and you want to buy the best one, and you check it a hundred times, mechanic, this, that, makes sense. You don't want a car that is only 80% good. 20% will bring you a lot of problems. When it comes to choose a wife, you want the best. You don't want 50-50. Makes sense. When it comes to get a good job, making money or losing money, you want the best. Why? If you're not going to have the best, you will suffer. You won't reach your goals. Perfectly fine. But when it comes to Torah, it's a whole different game. Why? You don't get the reward based on your achievement. You get the reward based on how much efforts and love you put into the mission. That's it. If you learn 40 years and you stay Amaretz because you have a head that is full of straw and there's no brain in it, but you gave your life for the Torah and you tried and you tried and after 40 years you cannot explain one sugiya in a shas, you will get a reward sometimes even greater than someone that became a big Talmid Chacham. Why? Someone that enjoyed the Torah, Geshmak, enjoy every minute, he can't wait to go back to the Bet Midrash to continue. He's enjoying while he's doing it. For you, when it's difficult to understand and you struggle and you don't achieve such great achievements, and to stay connected to Torah, not to be on the street or in a university to make sins and destroy your neshama, the appreciation that HaKadosh Baruch Hu have for you is beyond any words. Meaning, just that you put efforts to become a Ben Torah, to behave like a Ben Torah, to fix your midot, and to try to understand Torah and Gemara, and even if you did not achieve a great understanding, you have nothing to worry about. You're going to get your full reward and an extra bonus because you did not break. But for instance, if you take your car to the mechanic, and he tried for one week to fix the problem, there's some electrical problem. After a week, he cannot fix the car. A week. Every day you call, no, the car is ready? Not yet. Calling 4 p.m. The next day. Car ready? No. One week. The car is not ready. Friday morning, you come to the mechanic. What's wrong with you? I gave you the car on Sunday morning. It's Friday already. You cannot fix the car. It's supposed to be two hours job. No matter what I've, do, I've done, I could not fix the problem. I replaced this, I changed this, I switched the wires, I tried that. Nothing, wor nothing works. Okay, okay, just give me the key. Let me go. You're already frustrated. He said to you, 3,000 shekel. Ma? You have the nerve to ask for money? should sue you for all the time. You know how much money I wasted on cabs? How much... <laughs> 
<laughs> so, it said to him, you, you have the nerve to ask for money? What? For what? You did not fix the problem. Say, sir, come on, you're not fair. I work one week from morning to night. From 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. I work on your car for six days. You don't think I deserve 3,000 shekel? Say to him, it's not my problem. You don't know how to fix the problem, you get zero. This is the way the world works. This is the way the world works. You achieve, you fix the problem, you reach the goal, you get paid. This is in Alma de Shikra. In the world of lies, nobody cares about your efforts. They only care about your achievement. But when it comes to the world of Hashem, the achievement is not as important. What important is, is the way to the, the, the efforts. How much you love Torah, how much you give up on, how much you sacrifice. We had a guy, when I was in Yeshiva, a little bit older than you, we had one guy, he used to be a bodybuilder. Muscular, nice looking guy. He was training all the rich and famous of Manhattan, personal trainer. Then he started to become Baal Shuvah, he came to Yeshiva, he was a very serious person. Everything he did in his life, it was fully to the maximum. Not half a job. He starts something, he must do it in the best possible way. He will never let go. He will always accomplish the mission. He was learning and learning and learning. There's no lunch break, no waste of time, nothing. He's disconnected himself from all the phony world and learn and learn and learn. Became a huge Talmud Chacham. He's one of the most important rabbis in the world today. Today is an Av Bedin in Bet Shemesh. Baki b'chol ha-shas. Baki b'chol ha-shulchan aruch. All the Dine Choshen u-mishpat, which is the hardest things in the Torah. And even everything in his head, he doesn't even need the books. Every machloket, rishonim, achronim, is scary. I'm embarrassed to stand with him in the same room. I get nervous. Why? How many people like this you have? He puts all his life into the Torah. He became a shochet. He became a moel. He became a sofer stam. I came to look for a place to buy batet filin, 100% handmade with all the idurim all different levels in it. Even in Batei Tfilin, he knows every opinion, Faradim, Ashkenazim, Chumrat Adis, Chumrat Adat. Scary. But this is what the Baal Shuvah can become. Every one of you can become a king. The question is, do you want it? Or you want to be some kind of a, I don't know, a college graduate that knows maybe a little bit... Uh, something professional, math, I don't know, history, but you're going to sit with all the clowns and all the reshaim over there for four or five years and they'll take you away from Hashem. Because when you live in an environment of wicked people, you become wicked. Don't ever expect to stay righteous if you sit there. The way they talk, the way they dress, the way they curse, the kfirah they talk, they make fun at the religion, they make fun at Hashem. Most of them are lefties. They, have, they love abomination. They love everything Hashem hates. Everything Hashem hates, they love. Everything Hashem loves, they hate. 
You want to spend the rest of your five, six years sitting with this kind of people just because you want to make a lot of money? Wrong decision. How much money you will make, Hashem is going to help you. If you need to make a lot of money, one thing I do promise you is there's not one person sitting here today that if you will make the decision, I will give my life for the Torah and for Kedusha because it's an obligation of every Jew. Kedoshim to you was told to all Jews, not to the Baba Sali, not to Chacham Ovadia or Rav Eliashiv. No, no, to every Jew, to the driver, to the cleaning lady, to everyone, genius, smart, stupid, rich, poor, female, female, young, old, everybody. There's an obligation from Hashem to be holy. Holy means mufdal, separated from the nations. The less you come in contact with them, the better it is for you. The less your children are exposed to their culture and to the way they dress and the way they talk and the way they eat and the way they behave and their opinions, which is the worst, the ideology is so rotten and so wicked, it will contaminate your soul to such level that chas v'shalom, maybe a few years from now, you're going to stand and say, it's a wonderful development to humanity to be a gay. Thing that Hashem said to give that penalty by stoning and a cut for the soul. This is what Hashem think about it. And what the rabbi think about it? Even a Muslim will not dare to say such thing. Even a Christian priest will not dare to say such thing. Idol worshippers who bow down to the cow in India will not dare to say such a thing. And a person that wear a black hat who went to university became so rotten in his ideology that he's already the number one enemy of Hashem on earth. How did it happen to him? He used to learn yeshivot. He did not grow up in a secular school. Why? Once you go over there and you begin to admire their culture, you mix with them, you mingle with them, you become very educated, you become a rasha. That's reality. Everywhere I go, I see the same thing. It's not one or two. This is the way it is. Very rarely you find a person who actually went to university and stay in a high spiritual level. Almost impossible. Because remember, in the 1970s, you could go to university, the people were more decent than today. The women used to dress. People did not have such a wicked ideology of Sodom and Gomorrah. Even in the 1970s, if you come to a guy in university and tell them, I know someone is gay, ugh, don't talk to me about it. I don't want to hear it. Today, oh, really? Where he is? Let me go and give him shakoach. <laughs> That's what happened today. Someone like this will sit next to you in university four years. Or someone like that. Someone like that will sit next to you. Or all the other things that they talk about. And if one day you will express an opinion that you are a righty, not a lefty, immediately they, they isolate you as a burden. Oh, what? You voted Trump? Stay out of here. We don't want anything to do with you. Why? This is the brainwash of the people of America. The universities here in Israel are nothing better. Nothing better whatsoever. Everything that smells like Judaism and religion, they are so allergic to it that you, can, you have to see their face. As soon as they see something religious, they go crazy. They just passed the law in Montreal now. You cannot wear a yarmulke coming to work. This is democratic, democratic country. What? They can look at you. They go crazy if they see someone with a yamaka. If they see a Muslim with a burqa, it drives them crazy.
Why? Because they are so wicked. These French Canadians in Montreal is so wicked and so liberals that everything that smells like Torah, they are allergic to it. Everyone who speaks about God become automatically crazy. They don't want anything to do with you. They don't want to see you. Even if you walk somewhere and you don't have to do anything with them. You do your job, they do their job, they go home. They can't. What happened to freedom of speech, freedom of choice, live according to your faith, it's a free country. What happened to all these uh, terms? It all went down the drain. They took over. The world is, became Sodom and Gomorrah. So that's why sitting here, just sitting here, every second is a huge mitzvah. Why? It's Tevat Noach. Everyone is drowning out there. I'm in Tevat Noach, I'm safe. So when the parents brainwash you and society brainwash you, you must be educated. You must go to college. Who's going to marry you if you don't have a degree? If a girl marries you for her degree, the last thing I would want is to marry a girl like that. If she doesn't want to marry you for knowing Torah, for being a Ben Torah, for being a Baal Midot, what bothers her if you have a degree, I don't have to tell you what kind of a girl it is. A real girl would ask in Shiduchim, is he learning? Is he Ben Torah? Does he dress like a from Jew? Does he daven in Minyan? That's what a good girl would care about. Not if you have a secular Goish education. Life is complicated. You live in a generation, it's very difficult. When I was in wage, it wasn't as difficult as now. Now, before Mashiach comes, the world, as the Gemara in Masechet Sota described, complete prophecy. The world reached the lowest level ever. Very, very few people in the world are righteous. Most of the world are enemies of Hashem. Look what's happening. Parades, demonstrations, hate to the religion. It's very good. That means we are moment before the end. The Gemara says, it will come to a generation that someone that is fearful from Hashem, he is afraid to commit sins, nobody, will be, nobody could stand him. Nobody can. 50 years ago, even the secular people admire religious people, admire rabbis. By the Syrian community, even the secular Mechalelei Shabbat, when they see a rabbi, they give him a lot of respect. They have respect for Chachamim. Chacham, Chacham, Tfadal, Chacham, thank you for coming, give me Beracha. But the rest of the places, not like that. When they see a Chacham, they want to kill him. That's what's going on today. Wow, another religious person here. What is he doing here? That's what became the brainwash of the media. So you have to remember Abotai, replacing the Torah with this kind of places, it's a huge risk for your neshama. The goal in life is to get the ticket for life of eternity. It's written in the Torah, I'm testing you. I'm checking what's in your heart. Will you follow me and keep my mitzvot or not? Will you follow me? Will you keep my mitzvot or not? I'm torturing you. I'm strict with you. All the struggle is one test and another test and another test. And I make it difficult for you on purpose. For one reason. Don't worry. You're not doing it for free. You're not working for free. 
everything you ever did for the sake of my Torah and my instructions, I'm keep writing rewards for you left and right, non-stop, again and again and again. Another minute of Torah, another hour of Torah, another tefillah, another tefillin, another talit, another shmirat ha'inayim, another choice that you make. You could have gone to a place when the women walks with no clothes over there and you decided, you know what, I'm not going there. Why? There's a party. Come. No, no. Why you don't go? It's not sanua over there. I don't want to go there. The Gemara says, someone has two different ways, short and long. Short, full of women. Women of 2,000 years ago. They wore like a blanket around them. You don't see anything, like a tent. Not women like today. Women of 2,000 years ago, even the goyot used to be covered from head to toe. Couldn't see a nail, nothing. Fingers, legs, nothing. So women like this on the street, shortcut, or you have to go all around when there's no women over there. And you say, you know what, I'm strong. I'm not going to look to their side. You took your head on, you went like this, you stuck to the other side, look at the wall, quickly you cross the street and you continue with your way. If somebody would see you, would run after you. Hey, hey, kvodo, kvodo, wait, wait, where are you running? Wait, wait. Do I know you? No, no. One second. One second. Give me bracha. Why, why, why are you asking bracha for me? I just followed you. I see what, how tzaddik you are, how you watch your eyes. What a holy person you are. What do you care? Give me bracha. I need children. Give me bracha. Can I take a selfie with you? I want to tell my friends that I met such a tzaddik like you. Right or wrong? The Gemara say rasha. It's not tzaddik, it's rasha. Why? Why did you take a risk putting yourself in a place that can make you lose your olam haba? Why did you even put yourself over there? University is a million times worse than that street with the women covered from head to toe. You know what? Billion times worse. Because it's not one minute you rain, close your eyes and that's it. I don't have to tell you how people dress there. I don't have to tell you how many hours of sins you're going to have to go through. You know what? And maybe you make a hundred thousand a year. I was this past Shabbat in Herzliya Pituach, place of the rich people in Israel. And so that Friday night, I had two guys sitting next to me. One is a little bit younger than 40, and one is, in my opinion, 26, more or less. The one 26 years old had a watch with looks like Mickey Mouse, looked like a cartoon. Uh, the band of the watch was uh, rubber, plastic, I don't know, nothing even leather, not, no gold, nothing. He asked me, Rabbi, how much do you think this watch worth? I say, if you ask me, not more than $50. But since you've asked, I won't be surprised if you tell me $50,000. I wanted to exaggerate that he does not think I'm a fool. I don't know anything about watches. So I told him, I won't be surprised if you tell me that it's worth $50,000. Both of them started to laugh. I was puzzled why they are laughing. They are laughing that I say $50, or they are laughing that I say $50,000, because I have no idea how much this watch worth. So the guy said, 
he bought it for $270,000. I promise you, if you see it in a booth in Chinatown, $20, you would not agree to pay for it. $20 looks like some, one of these crazy watches with like cartoon pictures. So I said to him, why? What's so special about it? You didn't hear about Richard Mill? <laughs> Richard Mill? Usually I'm very bad with remembering names. But the whole Shabbat I was walking, don't forget, Richard Mill, because I want to talk about it in my lecture. Why? Because then nobody would, everyone would get curious. They bombed me with hundreds of emails. Rabbi, do you know what's the made of the watch? So I went, Richard Mill, Richard Mill, Richard Top. Then the other guy said, and my watch is not as great, it's Patek Philippe, 130,000. So I asked them, why would you burn so much money on a watch? In my job, it's the status. When I walk into the meeting, people that understand, right away they treat me different. This is the world of lies we live in, Alma de Shikra. That your watch will decide by the people if they should do business with you or not. This is it. That's the way they explain it. So I say to my assistant after we went home, you want to make a bet that if we come to these two, and they're nice people, don't get me wrong, religious, Shomre Shabbat, Baalei Tshuva, how do they make their millions? They bought bitcoins when it was $1,000, and it went out to 63000 They multiplied their money by 60 times in a period of one year. They became rich. rich. Why? Because Hashem wanted to, these two young men to become millionaires. That's all. If he wanted them to be homeless, they would be the other way around. They would buy it at 30,000 and would crash to 1,000. It happened also. In the end, the decision how much money you make is 100% in Hashem. So I say to my, to my assistant, I will make a bet with you that if you come to these people or anybody else with a watch like this, on Sunday and Monday you come to the office and you say, I'm collecting money for CDs that I should make more Baalei Tshuva. If you get a thousand dollars out of them, I lose the bet. Anything above a thousand, I lose the bet. Even a thousand you won't be able to get. So now the question is, why would a person burn 270,000 or a hundred million dollars on some art? But when you come and tell them, give me a thousand dollars, maybe I'll make 200 baalei tshuva with that. It will be a huge struggle. No. Not now, maybe next week, I'll get back to you, leave me your card. Why is it? Now you see, now you see everything the Torah spoke about in front of your eyes. The greater the mission is and the greater the reward is, the harder it is to do it. The more stupid and wicked it is, not only it's easy to do it, the Satan helps you to do it. One time Friday night, I had three guests in my house from Queens. In Monsi they came. Two of them are into it. One of them is not interested in religion, but they drag him with them. Come, come, it will be good. As we sit in Friday night meal, we talk divrei Torah, I see this guy is allergic. You can see right away from his body language, he suffers. He cannot hear the Torah. He's so impure, so tameh. 
that the Torah not only does not wake up his neshama, he's very deep in the impurity. So I see he's nervous. I said, wow, he's going to have to be with us until tomorrow night. I wonder how it's going to end. An hour later, the meal finished. They say, did you see him? I don't remember his name. Let's call him Ronnie. Did you see Ronnie? No, where is he? He's not in the room. Where is he? Maybe in the bathroom. No, it's already an hour. He's not there. But his bag is there. Maybe he took a walk. Why? Well, tell us. Where? Where? To see the trees. It's all trees around. Well, where did he, he took a walk? We looked for him. We called him. We looked maybe in the backyard. Nothing. Disappeared. The whole Shabbat is a mystery. Where did this guy disappear? Tough. I, they say, okay, probably went back home. I said, but his stuff is here. The wallet, everything. How would he go back to Brooklyn? It was in Brooklyn, not Queens. How would he go back to Brooklyn? Maybe he had money in his pocket. Look, it's not Shomer Shabbat. Maybe he had cash. Tov, alach, alach. What can we do? Years later, years, I was invited to say Mazal Tov to, uh, to a wedding in Queens. Eli Palace over there. I walk up the stairs. see a guy with a beard, black hat. Ah, Rabbi, how are you? Welcome, shalom. Hi, hi. Do you remember me? I said, no. Remember a few years ago, three guys came to your house for Shabbat and one disappeared in the middle? <laughs> now he's looking diff totally different. So don't tell me it's you. Yeah, yeah, it was me. I said, wow, ishtabach shemo. Kodem kol, I'm happy, it's Haredi. Baruch Hashem. So a happy end. But now I'm very happy because for years this story did not give me rest. What happened here? So I told him, finally I'm going to find out what happened. Tell me what happened. So listen, at that time I was in very low state of my life. I just couldn't stand now. Shabbat, this, that. So I decided to walk. I decided maybe I'll get a ride. Each ride. It will take me to Brooklyn. So I went to a place where there's a shopping center by the barber shop over there. I already know where he's talking about. I was standing over there looking, maybe I can find a ride. It's Friday night. And a taxi stopped by. And this guy was Bukharian speaking Russian. And the guy was a Russian driver. Right away he realized they speak Russian. They started to speak in Russian. He said, listen, I'm stuck here. And I don't have money. And I need to get to Brooklyn. So the guy will say to him, what happened? He says, stuck, I, I lost all my stuff, I don't have money, I don't know how to get home. He said, come, let me give you a ride. For free. Taxi took him from Monsi to Brooklyn for free, it's $200. He drove him for free, he said, he drove me for free. I said, look at this, the Gemara spoke about it. Where is it in the Gemara? What just happened to him? Huh? I'll tell you. Bederech. You make the choices, no matter what choice you make, HaKadosh Baruch helps you. You want to become a Chacham, he will help you. You want to become a Tzaddik, he will help you. You want to become a good husband, you've made a decision, he will help you. You want to become a good father, he will help you. You want to you have children, he will help you. Depend how you behave, of course. 
He will help you. In everything he will help you. You want to become a thief? He will help you. You want to make, uh, commit horrible sins with women? He will help you. You want to run after money and fleshy life and show off and buy a Ferrari and show up your wealth everywhere? He will help you. There's only one difference. In the end, the bill will be served. Remember, you know how you go to a restaurant and they come in with a bill? That's the moment nobody likes so much. They love the steak, they love the suit, they love everything. When the 2,000 shekel bill comes, huh? 300 shekel deep? While he was enjoying, he wasn't thinking about the consequences. The bill will be served. There was one family walking in the streets here in Israel, and there was a brand new restaurant. The owner of the restaurant was a friend of the father of the family. So, oh, Moshe, how are you? Look, I just opened this restaurant. Come, come, enjoy my food. <coughs> the other guy, Yitzhak, he was sure he's giving him a free dinner. He went inside with a wife and three children. Usually when I go in, he doesn't let the children order steak. Hot dog if they're lucky. So, since now the, this guy, Moshe, is paying, whatever you like, children. Oh, no, no, don't worry. You don't, have to, you don't need tap water. Take Snapple, take this, take that. Take ice cream, no problem, I'll get you ice cream. The bill is growing and growing. He thinks we got away now with a thousand shekel meal. All of a sudden, the waitress come. I say, she put the bill. Looks at the bill. Doesn't shake it. Doesn't make all week. What's going on, Moshe? What is this? I am. I'm afraid there's a misunderstanding. You didn't tell the waiters that you invited us to eat. He said, "Of course, I invited you to eat, but this is a restaurant. It's not my house. My house. You will eat for free. Here, people have to pay. I have a partner. What do you think? It was for free. So you should have said that it's not for free. We ate three times more than we usually eat. That's the story of life." Lots of people grab as much as they can from all the nonsense of this world. But they forget in the end there's going to be a bill. The bill will be served in the end. Where does it say it? Sof davar akol nishma et ha-Elohim yera ve-et mitzvotav shemor kizeh kol ha-Adam. Where else does it say it? Ayn roa ve-ozen shomat I want to give you a little story and we'll finish here and then if you have questions, I gladly will answer them. There was one Syrian boy, when he was 20 years old, he lived in Great Neck, in a beautiful mansion, probably five million dollar home. His father is Syrian Halabi and his mother Ashkenazi. The mother, when she was young, she was religious, Hasidim, Vishnitz. The father, Israeli, Syrian, businessman, non-religious. Not the father, not the mother. They had a learning program every week in Great Neck in those days, probably 15 years ago. So one guy told me, Rabbi, I need you really to come. I said, well, I don't really have time to come for learning program with tables. We have enough of, of rabbis over there. You don't need me over there. I said, no, no, I have a friend. He's a good guy, good heart, but he's totally like a goy. You have to see him, he's with long hair, he has a sport car. 
He live a life of a goy, that's not anything. I need you to sit one on one with him. The guy that arranged it, I had gratitude to him. I was embarrassed to say no. So I forced myself to drive from Monsi to there just to speak to the guy. When I arrived, he put him in front of me and he was sitting on the side. I'm, I'm with him. And he doesn't know anything from his life. He never went to yeshiva, nothing. So I said, do you believe that the world has a creator? I said, maybe. Do you understand the creator of the world chose from all the goyim, the Jewish nation? And he made a special covenant with them, thanks to Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and he gave them the Torah. I don't know. It, in a public event, millions of people heard the voice of God giving the Jewish nation the Torah. I'm giving him the basics. Very interesting. He's listening. Then, the whole conversation was 45 minutes. That's it. Then I open up in a part that speaks about Shabbat. I speak about Shabbat, V'shamru B'nei Yisrael Ta Shabbat, and right after that, Mechaleleya Mot Yumat. So do you understand what it means, Mot Yumat? Mot in this world, younger, Yumat in the next world. V'nichreta Nefesh Ha'i. Do you understand that if you stay secular, where God forbid it can lead? Wow. He looks at me shocked. The next moment, he started to cry, crying, crying, shaking. The whole chumash was wet from his tears. This is what he said. He spoke Hebrew with American accent. I'm so wicked. I didn't know all these things. I said, don't worry, you're not Rasha. You just didn't know. You didn't, you're not lucky to learn the basics. But now you do know. And you have to start making changes in your life. Of course, what? I didn't know all these things. No resistance, no fight, no proof to me. How do I know? Nothing, none of this. Pure neshama. Became Baal Tshuva. Said, start with cutting his hair. Are you man or woman? What's all this? Haircut. Next thing, he became a volunteer in Torah anytime. Posting lectures for two years for free, volunteer. Became a Zakiya Rabin. Next thing, went on Shiduchim, met a nice Syrian girl, religious, made a Khatuna, kosher Khatuna, separated. After my lecture, I came to say, Mazal Tov, Baruch Hashem, 11 p.m., there was still Mechitza, <laughs> which is a great achievement. <laughs> and now he's been married for five years, no children. I say to myself, Hashem never does half of the job. He never does do half of the job. I have one guy, Kafkazi, from Natania. He got married. His wife had to go back to America because she has a child from first marriage. And it was by the grandmother. And they don't let him enter America. He said, I don't know what to do now. My wife is there. She cannot come here. I cannot go there. What am I going to do? I said, don't worry. Hashem does not do half a job. If He finds you such a good shiduch and everything, He will help you. He will help you. He got a call that day. Can you come today to the embassy in Tel Aviv? It was after hours. Mamash, miracle like this. Of course I can come. Come quickly, we will arrange for you. Monday was already in New York. He said, but maybe they won't let me in New York. I said, don't worry, Hashem does not do half a job. He did this, he did that, he will do what is necessary to complete the mission. 
So I said to myself, why would Hashem do this? Such a tzaddik. The moment he found out the truth, immediately he changed. No games. No games was with this guy. He became fully religious. So, every once in a while he asked me, Rabbi, pray for me, this, no, nothing. I tried this, I tried the doctors. I went to all kinds of rabbis for blessing. We tried special treatment. Five years, nothing. Then I had an idea. I said to him, you know, we have one solid rule in the Torah. Every second of your life, this rule applies to every one of us. What is it? Everything Hashem does, mida keneged mida. Measure for measure. You do good with a certain thing, it will be done to you one day. You save someone, you will be saved. You kill someone, you will be killed. You steal from someone, someone will steal from you. Everything. You disrespect your parents, your children will disrespect you. It's all a circle. So I say to myself, what's going to be midah keneged midah for Hashem to give him children? Maybe there's a decree on him. Maybe there's a gzera, the satan is mekatreg. What will make Hashem cancel the decree? So I told him I have an idea. What? Make a monthly donation for CDs as much as you can afford. The amount is not so important. Whatever you can afford monthly, but consistent. And you say it, that you do it for the sake of saving Hashem's children. He said, what's the connection? I said, very simple. You save Hashem's children, Hashem has to save your children. But you don't have children. He will have to give you children. Why? Hashem took the nation of Israel out of Mitzrayim. Why did he take them from the Red Sea? Dead Sea. No, Red Sea. Why did he take them from the Red Sea? Why? You could have walked straight to Israel without any water. Who needs the headache to go into water, to open the, the, the water? What for? You walk straight three days from Egypt, you're in Israel. With the women and the children. What do you need now to go all the way to the right? Miles and miles in order for you to go through the ocean. Why? Because the only way the mission will be accomplished completely and perfect is when the Egyptians will drown for drowning the Jewish babies. Hashem could have killed them with the lightning. He could have killed them with some kind of pandemic. There's many ways to kill them. Bad animals could come and eat them alive. But Hashem would only kill them in water. Because they killed the Jewish babies with water, they must drown in the water. So for that Hashem took the entire Jewish nation miles and miles away to the water that the Egyptians will get what they deserve. You see? It has to be everything Mida can get Mida. So he said, okay, Rabbi, I, I'm going to do it. He started, it was September, I think, or, or August maybe. First month, second month, third month. Usually you don't say if your wife pregnant at least for three months. You wait for the first three months to finish, and then you can tell. I give every Tuesday night lecture by Ora Chaim, the Syrian shul in Oren Coney Island. And uh, he walks in, 11 o'clock. He knows we stay until later. He walks in. Wow, why would he come there at the end of the lecture? 
but he had a smile. So I got, I relaxed. Usually people come 11, that means they have an emergency problem. Who knows what's next now? I hear so many problems all day, brains destroyed my brain. But he was smiling. Like this. How are you? Good news, Rabbi. What? My wife now is three months pregnant. We did the calculation. The day that he made the first donation, that night she became pregnant. And he had a boy. I was supposed to go be some doctor, but I, I came to Israel. Rabbi, we have a boy. The Brit is next week. So I'm sorry, I'm going to Israel. I have a ticket already. That's not important, Abi. They're not, not relevant. But the idea is, if you think for a second that you're wasting your time and Hashem doesn't see what you do, please, get out of this nonsense. You don't ever lose for doing what Hashem wants you to do. It may take time, you may have to struggle for a while, but it's all for the best. When the right timing will come, you will cash out on all your efforts. Nobody ever lost from doing what Hashem expects them to do. If you have a chance to steal but you didn't, and it looks like you're paying the price now because you broke, no, 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 no. You did not get hurt for not stealing. If you had an opportunity to marry a secular girl with no mikveh, no Shabbat, she would destroy you and your children, but you say, I'm giving up my love and my desire to her because I want to be Eved Hashem and I want to be a kosh, I want to have a kosher home and with her there's no chance and you give up, you will never lose from it. Even if it will take five more years until you find a kosher girl. Don't ever for a second think, wow, I should have done it. And Mamash, I will finish with a story with Chacham Ovadia relates to what I just told you. When Rav Ovadia, when he's in his 80s, Right here across the street, an old woman, Iraqi, knocked on a door. His, rabbi, his assistant, Rav Chakak, opened the door. Shalom, Ken. Shalom! Efor Ovadia! Already fishy. Who will call Gdola door Ovadia? Looks like a religious woman. Who are you? Whatever her name was, I'm just making up a name. Uh, Genya. Tell him Genya is here. He knows you? Yeah, of course he knows me. Why you came? I need him to help me, I'm poor. I want him to give me tzedakah. But he's now learning. Go, go, tell him I'm here. <laughs> he went, he says, a woman here, I don't know. She also looks 80. She is poor and she knows you and she say you would know who she is. Ravavadia said, let her in. She came in. She said, remember me? Of course. Who was this woman? She was his, fir his first date. He was dating her. And they already were ready to get married, engaged. And then before they finalized everything, she told him, Will you take me to the theater to see Arabic film? They used to be in style, Arabic, Egyptian films here. He said, how can I go to a theater? I'm a Ben Torah. All day I learn. I can go into the theater and sit there and watch Arabic films? So what am I going to do all my life? You're going to be all day in the Gemara 
and I'm going to sit home doing nothing. I want to see a movie. You have to take me out. I'll take you out, but I can't take you to the movie. It's not kosher. So what do I need you for? I don't want to get married to someone like you. This is a very big nisayon. You love a woman. You're already thinking, Baruch Hashem, I'm going to get married. The Yetzirah would leave me alone. I can focus on Torah. I can be, you know, I have someone to help me. Ezer can ignore. You know, and all of a sudden you have to make a decision to lose it. For one principle of the Torah that what Hashem expects from you. It's big nisayon. So he said to her, as much as I love you, I love Hashem more. So if you don't want to marry me because I'm not going to go to the theater, let's break it up. They broke it up. Now she comes back many years later, 60 something years later. She showed up in his house. She came to ask for money. And she said to him before she left, after he gave her the money, you're very lucky. Hashem really loves you. Why? If you would marry me, you will never have children. I was barren all my life. And she left. Now let's think for a second. All these Rabbanim, the chief rabbi of Israel, Rabbi Yitzchak Yosef, the chief rabbi of Chulon, Rabbi Avraham Yosef, the head of Yachavedat, Rabbi David Yosef, and Alav Shalom, Rabbi Yaakov Yosef, another big Chacham, and Rabbi Moshe Yosef, the head of all the Kashruyot, None of that would happen if you would step a foot one time into that theater. One time, he would end up with her, with no children, and who knows what kind of life. Maybe she would already drag him out of the Torah. Maybe we would not have Chacham Ovadia. Maybe the whole history of the Jewish nation will change. For one time watching a movie. But he would never know the consequences of that movie. He would only find out in Olam Abba. When they would show him, you see, you agreed to go with her to the movie and you married her. You sold me out for a woman. You sold me out for a movie. Look what you lost. Or the other way around. You stood like a man and fought the Yetzirah. You gave up the most important thing at that time in your life, which is a woman you love. Look what I gave you in return. Each one of you have to remember what I just said. Each one of you, this is the test that you have right now. Stay in yeshiva, work on your midot, work on your modesty, work on shmirat ha'enaim and the brit, put efforts in every minute you hear to learn Torah, work on the way you dress, work on the way you talk, and the most important out of everything, make sure that the day that you move out of this yeshiva, you're gonna come out of here with the perfect Jewish Ashkafa. Not the Ashkafa of Brooklyn. Not the Ashkafa of certain communities. Not the Ashkafa of the rotten American goyim. Not the Ashkafa of the lefties and the Democrats and the Israeli secular and the rest of the nonsense that we have around us. The Ashkafa of the Torah. I give you one advice. You want to be a professor to Jewish Ashkafa? Read all the books of Rav Avigdor Miller Zatzal. It's the greatest in Ashkafa, the greatest and the most perfect 
in every subject in Jewish Ashkafa. No one is like him, no one. He's incredible. And he was very brave. He was never afraid to say the truth. Some Chachamim afraid to talk because of the fire they're going to get. He, never, he was never afraid of anyone. So therefore, if you want to know what Hashem thinks, you'll find the answer in his books. It doesn't matter, Sfaradi, Ashkenazi, Judaism is for all people equally. And the Ashkafa is the same Ashkafa whether you're born in Germany or in Khaled. Because Hashem doesn't have two different Ashkafot for Sfaradim and Ashkenazim. It's nonsense. There's one Ashkafa. And if you're going to learn the right, Ashkafa means ideology. If you're going to program, reprogram your brain, brainwash all the garbage that went into it in the last 19 years, and reprogram your brain according to his books, questions and answers, and Jewish Ashkafa, you will have the best productive life a person can have. And the best one, when you leave this world, you're going to go to a wonderful place. Why? With him, there's no mistakes. I'm sure there's a lot of other great books. I'm not uh, an expert in every book in Ashkafa. But his books, I found a treasure. This is a great advice I give you. Buy them one by one, read it. Between, in lunch break, dinner, whatever. Read a little bit, few pages every day. I promise each one of you, it will change your life and make each one of you a tzaddik in a very high level. I promise you this. Take my word for that, it's recorded. You're going to come call me back in a year or two and you will tell me that it's the best advice I gave you because I get these calls now for people I told them that two years ago. It will happen for sure. Just be serious. Thank you very much. Thank you.